Hey everybody, this is Eddie Dasius. We're here for another episode with Divine Purpose Podcast. So we have wonderful guests today and this is what we do. We bring the best of the best. So her name is Sabrina Jacques. Uh, she has a PhD. She's a daughter. She's a sister. She's a wife. She's a mother. She's an entrepreneur. She's a teacher and she's a friend. Yes, she's a lot, but we know... The way it is, she's going to talk about it herself and we're going to give her the platform. Before we do this, let's pay the bills. We have Dasis for Senior Management, which sponsored this podcast. You can call them 617-237-0106 or go online www.dasisfm.com. Do you want to maximize the value of your commercial property and achieve optimal productivity and efficiency in your day-to-day business operations? That's where Dacius Facilities Management can help. DFM offers Boston area businesses help in key areas like building and preventive maintenance, handyman services, project and vendor management, and even security consulting at competitive rates. Call Dacius Facilities Management now at 617-237-0106 or visit DaciusFM.com today. Yes, that's is FM 617-237-0106. Uh, so like we said, we have Sabrina Jack with us today. She grew up in Haiti, immigrated to the U- United States in 2004. She, re- she received a Bachelor of Science in Microbiology and General Science with a concentration in biology at the University of Massachusetts Amherst. Those are my words, but um, Sabrina is going to talk about herself. Sabrina, how are you doing today? I am doing wonderful. How are you? I'm great. I'm great. So thank you for being here with us today. We appreciate it. So let's start with the Divine Purpose Podcast with the intro. Let's go. Welcome to the Divine Purpose Podcast, where we transport you along one of the more dynamic journeys of life. Have you ever been curious to know what it takes to become a successful leader? Or about knowing the secrets of life through the Bible? How about engaging in conversation where no topics are off limits? We will take you to new levels with guests who can help you grasp the importance of your calling. Now, here's your host, Eddie Dacius, founder of Dacius Facilities Management. Yes, uh, like promised, we have this great guest. we excited to have her. Sabrina, what can you tell us about you today? Oh, my. Um, I can say a lot about me, although I don't like talking too much about me. Um, <laughs> I'm happy to go to some questions, but I can introduce myself. Um, I think the, most, the thing I'm the most proud of is my relationship with Christ. I am a Christian and out of that, I have a lot that I manage here on this earth. I, like you mentioned earlier, I am a daughter. I come from a family of five children and I'm number four. Mm. Um, I am also a mother. I'm married to my wonderful husband, 10 years. Um, And uh, we have two wonderful children together. Um, I have an eight-year-old son and a six-year-old daughter. And um, Mm. I'm also a professor. And yeah, there's so much. 
to who I am. But yeah. what? Yo, uh, this is a lot. This is a lot. We that's that's why we're here with Divine Purpose Podcast. We're gonna tackle your journey, learn about you. So let's go with this question. Mm-hmm. I know you say you came, you grew up in Haiti. Any favorite memories growing up in Haiti? You can share with the audience. Yes, all my favorite memories are in Haiti, to be honest. Um, I grew up with, like I said, with five, uh, with four siblings. It was five of us in a house. And um, I had a lot of cousins as well. And it, it was just, it was just awesome. I felt like I grew up in Haiti and I didn't have any care in the world. And I kind of appreciated, even as it relates to the food that I ate, all of this came from like our family farm. I come on my dad's side, the uh, family of farmers and everything that I ate was organic. I think that's the one thing I, I missed the most, having to pay for organic food here in the U.S. And I think I took that for granted. Um, And also my experience in school, I felt like I I made the best connections and including my mentors as far as where I am today um, in life. It started from grade school. My teachers, my grade school teachers in Haiti kind of really impacted me. So, yeah, just a lot of great things that set me up for success for who I am today. And this is good to share because, like I said, we we hear we like we like to hear these type of stories because everybody have their background they can share. Is there any sh- culture shock you can share with us coming from growing up in Haiti and come here in the United States? It was a walking cult. I was a walking culture shock. I. <laughs> it was as simple as things like friendship in haiti right like when i came here in haiti you could have like a a friend whether a girl or a boy and we walk on the street we hold hands we have our hands around each other's neck and it was fine and i was when i got here that was one of the things that surprised me the most when i got here that it was like if people are holding hands it means that they are in a relationship like I was so shocked and it took some getting used to because I was so used to doing it in Haiti it was just yeah. an actual thing um, so yeah that was like one of the biggest things for me um, what else I would say the food mm. never used to having like sugar on my meat it's two things that you separated <laughs> And, yeah, and I came here and it was like you're eating meat that's sweet, like orange chicken and all of that. So, yeah, it was a big adjustment. So, and thank you for telling us this. And you, you accomplish a lot and you in your bio, there's a lot you do. Is there one thing you, which of your accomplishment you the proudest? That's, that's a lot to think through. Um, I would say... I'm going to say it education-wise, it's one of the things that I'm most proud of. Okay. And the reason why is because coming here, even I'm talking about culture shock, when I look at the school system, 
I had a lot of challenges um, going to high school here. I came from Haiti, like I came from one of the top schools in Haiti. And in Haiti, they teach us like you got to be good at everything, right? Like there was no such thing as really like a concentration, at least for my school. You just had to know science. You had to know everything. And so education was always top priority. And it, again, in the Haitian culture, education is top priority for our parents. If we want to make them proud, we have to go and get the education. Be a nurse, be a engineer, be a doctor, like one of these things. Um, So when I came here to the U.S., I did really good in school and I had a hard time adjusting. Like I wasn't I wasn't good at speaking English, but I could write it. And so it was hard for them to find a spot for me. I ended up doing two grades, like 10th and 11th grade in one year. Although I still wasn't really speaking English well. What? Hold on, hold on. How is that possible? So I was in AP classes and also taking ESL and ELL courses. Um, wow. I ended up getting a, I ended up getting a scholarship to or multiple scholarships to go to school um, by taking the MCAS. I did so well in the MCAS and I qualified for scholarship for um, any state university. Um, so here, here comes the trouble, right? And then I had a my counselor, my guidance counselor at the time, I was also, after three or six months, I was already part of the National Honor Society at my high school. Um, and so my guidance counselor, when it came time for me to go to college, mind you, I passed the AP, and I, I took some AP tests, I took the MCAS with flying yeah. colleges. And when I got to the point where I needed to apply for college, she told me that she wanted to give me an application to go to Bunker Hill Community College. And mind you, listen, I have no issue at all with whoa, going to whoa, Hold on, what? <laughs> I have no issues at all with going to a community college, right? However, it was the reason behind it. Um, so I also had a counselor because I was part of the National Honor Society. So my National Honor Society counselor reached out to me and said, Sabrina, what's going hold on? on? Hold on, hold on, hold on. You say you don't have a problem. I have a problem. <laughs> you, you're passing all these all these tests, flying colors, and then, no, right. community college is not for you. <laughs> with, scholarships, with scholarships to go to four-year, um, a four-year college, right? Um, and so, like, that's one of the places where I had to advocate for myself. And also coming here, I came to my dad. My dad is the one who brought us here. My mom was still in Haiti. And even for my dad, like, acculturation is a thing because he doesn't really know the school system here. And, like, we had to advocate for ourselves. And so um, when she wouldn't file my application to four-year colleges, then my guidance, my counselor for the National Honor Society is telling me, Sabrina, I'm not getting any movement with you. Like, what's going on? What happened? I don't see any college applications. And I said, well, so-and-so told me that, like, I shouldn't. She gave me an application to Bunker Hill. And when I wouldn't take it from her, she got really pissed off. And she said, I'm going to give you the other applications and this is what you want, but you might as well hang on to hang on to the Bunker Hill application because you'll need it. You are not for your college material. So. Wow, 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 wow. So 
So that being said, hold on, hold on. Hold on. Why was the reason? Why was the reason? Up until today, I don't know. Um, she just thought I wasn't. I wasn't material. Like my grade, there was nothing in my grade. I don't know. Like honestly, I I believe it was. It was like tar- racially targeted. I think it had to do with my race. It had. To wow. Be my- yeah. So let let me ask you this question. Because this will, will um, give us uh, more to talk about about your your challenges, and I think mm-hmm. this is probably gonna be counted. Is there three challenges you can share with us, and how did they challenge you? Yeah, so this one I'm talking about, like the like racism, basically, um, and that really challenged me <laughs> to some degree to prove people wrong. I feel like, um, and in challenging me to prove people wrong, I think it challenged me to grow. It turned from me wanting to prove people wrong to me wanting to prove to myself that I am worth it and that I am capable. Um, Other challenges I've had in life really related to my pathway as a woman um, and having a very strong personality um, and also even with my education, being a threat whether at work, I, I used that I had a specific job. I was a threat to my superiors and they made my life a living hell to the point that I developed alopecia and I also um, developed muscle spasm from that because of the degree of stress that I was under. Um, and that really helped me to speak up because I was somebody who internalized things so that that really taught me to speak up and to be okay, like to just be okay in my skin, to just be okay to be a woman, a leader who speaks up, a leader who, you know, who know my place and I own I own my place wherever I go. And then the other thing has to do with my faith. The other challenge has to do with my faith because I do encounter the same issues in the church setting as well when it comes to like leadership and speaking up. Um, So again, that challenges me to know my place in God and to own my place in God, to be okay with who God created me to be and to continue to do the work regardless of the oppositions. Wow. Sabrina, this is a lot. And, and, and I like what I'm hearing so far. So this is great. Um, now you, you got the bachelor from UMass mm-hmm. Amherst and then you, you went to get your master, um, in, um, of heart in healthcare administration. Mm-hmm. What was this going on? What was the process to go to Hatchford university? So the first, the first, my my first degree at UMass, I was actually in the pre-med program, and then I decided to. I realized it wasn't for me because um, going to med school, I realized I was not comfortable with blood. So I was like, all right. So I ended up switching to more the science. I like the lab aspect, working in a clinical lab, and I started working at Quest Diagnostics at the time in a clinical lab and I realized I am not that person to be sitting at a desk because I like I like to do more and I like the human interaction. So that's why I ended up switching to healthcare administration to get my master's in healthcare administration um, to exercise my gift of administration um, and management and leadership. And so that's how I ended up taking that path. Um, what was your dream job in high school? 
And the reason I ask this question to see where where you are in, in your journey and then all did did all develop. Mm-hmm. Um I think in high school I was still thinking about being a doctor. But it was mostly being a medical doctor, like a pediatrician of some sort or like a general medicine. Oh really? Mm-hmm. So what changed? <laughs> What change is the my my exposure. I think one my exposure again, like I said, during when I was doing a lot of my practicum um, in lab in school, I realized blood wasn't a thing for me. Um, even in working with rats, um, blood I I couldn't do it. So that's how I was like, okay, um, I'm not going to go into medical school. Um, and then I realized also like the fact that my goal in life was really to train emerging leaders. I like to coach and pour into people. Um, and I didn't know, like, you could be a doctor. To be honest, in high school, I didn't know you could be a doctor without being a medical doctor. Coming from Haiti, all I knew about a doctor was that, like, you were at a hospital. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. But I ended up getting in my path to be a doctor with yep. a PhD without having to be a medical doctor. Wow. That's a great journey so far. So, from Hartford to Chicago School of Professional Psychology. What was the, the journey like? Um, that journey, again, is connected to my faith. I'd never intended to get a PhD. I was fine with having a master's and moving on with my life. And, um, and in prayer, the Lord told me that there was more and there are places that he wanted me to go. And I needed that PhD to get to those places. And that's how I ended up going into um, the business psychology. And also because I was being exposed to business a lot more, um, understanding the, the business side, the management side and the leadership side, whether we are talking about a church, whether you're talking about um, a small, like a family business or small businesses and stuff like that. So I develop a passion naturally for that. Um, and I think it was one of the classes that I took as well um, in while I was getting my master's that kind of trickled my interest into more like leadership and such. So that's how I ended up seeking, like I did my research to find what are the programs out there that can nurture the passion that I have naturally to train leaders and to help people grow, to look at human behavior, to coach people to be their best selves. So that's how I ended up um, going down that path. So looking at in high school and always Sabrina in high school, I know you kind of gave us um, your way or were you athletic or were you just into books are you dancing or you what was your thing in high school? All the above. I was in the choir. I was in the in the school choir. I was part of some of the um science clubs. I was part of dance. I was part of I was also a volleyball player. Back in Haiti, I used to play, I was actually like a, a basketball player back in Haiti for my high school. And when I came here, um and in Haiti too, I kind of did volleyball in the in the summertime. But I started doing more of that when I came here to high school at Everett High. And I did 
both JV and varsity volleyball while I was part of these other clubs in the National Honor Society. Wow, that's a lot. That's a lot. Mm-hmm. So which one you enjoy the most doing in terms of sports? I think I think I think volleyball would be the best option for me. I was intimidated because I was always small frame, super skinny, and I was I was intimidated by the physical aspect of facing another team in in basketball and just being afraid of the injuries. So I kind of put that to the side in like I love sport. I love dancing even in um even when I got to UMass, I was in charge of the Haitian Student Association's dance team. Um so it would be these two things dancing and um volleyball would still be my my go-to so looking back at, at the what happened in terms of what um in high school mm-hmm. did you ever have a chance to to think what would happen if you didn't know to say no and actually go to Montreal? yeah yeah I think it would have definitely put a dimmer on my, um, just my path, my educational path. I think it would have impacted me emotionally because if I butt into that idea that I am not, I'm not material, right? Like I, you're not a four-year college material. I feel like going to Bunker Hill would have been the the highest I would have set myself to achieve. And words are powerful, right? If you buy into it, then that you kind of set your ceiling as, as what you buy into. So I feel like, and now being a, a teacher in a four-year college, like I've taught, like being a professor who's taught graduate level, PhD, yeah. master's level in undergrads, I think... Um, I'm glad I didn't buy into that. So did you ever meet her? Did you ever interact with her? No, I finally found her on Instagram and I'm still thinking, um, I'm still trying to figure out if I'm healed enough to reach out to her and just introduce myself as Dr. Sabrina (laughs) Jai. Why not? Why not? Right, right. We'll see. I know. I think that would be cool because at the end of the day, you 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 were profiling. You know, they profiled you, and it's it's happened a lot. So let's go in the in the other direction about success and then challenging young professional women, black people are facing. How important for you to succeed? As you know, all these things are against our growth. How important is it for you to succeed? It is that much more important to me now because I have a daughter who share like who shares yeah. my personality traits and even like she's even more outgoing than I am. Okay. Um, it's that much more important for me for her to know that like these are the things that I was told I couldn't do. And I am doing it now. I sit in boards. I I sit in executive team. I am an executive coach. Like I coach CEOs and and all these other folks um, to do their jobs and to do their yeah. jobs. Well. So it it is so important for me to set the tone 
for my at least at least for my daughter and for my niece who are growing up as black young women in this culture for them to know that they can overcome and pass on that legacy so what would be the lesson you framing for them the lesson that i would frame for them is to not let anybody define you i think that would be the best yeah. the, the most the, the most vital um, piece of advice is to not let anybody frame you and to believe in what God has placed inside of you. I think the self-awareness aspect is so important. A lot of time we blame, we blame other people. We don't do it because so-and-so said we couldn't do it or because our mom, our dad didn't leave this or that for us. And to me, a lot of these are excuses and If somebody doesn't want us to succeed in in a specific environment, we can create our own environment to succeed in. We don't have to wait for anybody to hand anything over to us. Yeah, I think that's the perception where we're looking for people to give us handouts, and we kind of powerful. We powerful to go um, beyond and accomplish great things. So, is there one thing you wish you knew before you started your career? Yes. I wish I knew that back in high school is when I needed to start integrating myself in the workplace. I didn't really have a lot of ex- like work experience, I would say. Um, and also not just going for jobs, even in high school, not just going for jobs or work study opportunity just to get the money, but like to put myself in a path. Um, I wish I had I had a mentor actually who I wish I had a good mentor who could like kind of teach me these things um, so that I would start setting myself up for success for my career from the time from like the the little jobs that I did as extracurricular activities. Well, why do you think this is this should be done prior? I think it should be done because. Our our expectation, for example, having a young person going to work at, a, I don't know, maybe Dunkin' Donuts or Burger King sometimes, um, something that has nothing to do with their field of interest. Sometimes they lose the opportunity to be exposed to even make a choice as to whether or not this is for me. Like I wish I had looked for opportunities to work in a lab, to work in a hospital setting. It would have, I would have found out earlier that this is not for me than me finding out way later when I was two years into getting my um, bachelor's and I realized, dang, like this thing that I always wanted is actually not for me because there are so, so many aspects of that job that I don't enjoy. Um, so, oh, good. Yeah, so I say like that, that's the reason why be, that exposure is going to kind of give you a more, um, like a better understanding Turning, of the yeah. desire to get into. So let's, let's talk about... Um, our parents, I know I'm Haitian too. They do a lot of work in terms of like sending us to school, but they own, they have their own challenges where, what was your, I know you talk about your counselor, mm-hmm. but outside of that person, did you have any help in your household in terms of guiding you into college? Process. Yeah, yeah. Um, my my dad didn't. My dad has always been a good advocate for his children. 
Um, even when he can't speak, like, and I respect that about him, he speaks up. Um, so he would take my sister with me if there was anything. I have my eldest sister who's like, like yeah. the family. And she came also with some knowledge. She was in college in Haiti before she came here. She spoke Spanish and English fluently. So that kind of helped me because I had these people to advocate for me. And my sister could also do the, more of the research for her to try to understand and to set me up on that path. Um, and like she could understand the challenges a little bit, although the culture was a lot different, but I had her support with the with however much she knew she gave to me. So uh, let, let's talk about transferable skills. Mm-hmm. Where I, I'm sure you you held a lot of jobs, a lot of positions. Is there any job you you learn and then you still using what you learned from that job in terms of transferable skill? I would say yes. Um, soft skills, right? Soft skills are transferable, no matter what industry field you are into soft skills like communication skills knowing how to speak to people emotional intelligence knowing how to be empathetic knowing how to control yourself right understanding your own emotions and being able to communicate to your emotions and also understanding how somebody else is feeling and taking that into account um leadership skills uh doesn't matter where i work with a lot of people even now in different fields when i do executive coaching but a leader is a leader a leader is a good leader no matter where and so um these are some of the skills that i've picked up even being a residential assistant at um, UMass that I'm still using today. Um, And another thing I would say, even the job that I did at... um I, I had a job at Bright Horizon as a as an assistant teacher in daycare, and that kind of helped me now to use it with my kids, knowing how to get down to my kids' level to be able to communicate with them and to understand them and to communicate with them in a way that they can understand me. All of these um, past experiences have been helpful, absolutely. Wow, so this is great. This is great to hear. So we're going to take a quick break. Um, we have Sabrina and Jacques with us today. This is Eddie Dacius with Divine Pepe Podcast. Uh, let's go on a break now. What comes before making a smart decision? Choices. A smart choice is the best option, which is who we are. That's why our clients expect more from us and, in return, get more in everything we do. We understand the problem. That's why we thrive for excellence. We don't just create a winning culture. We aspire to be a smart choice, a voice for solutions. We believe in integrity, professionalism, and teamwork. Our passion is to bring results from our clients by working harder, smarter, and faster. As a team, we always deliver because we recognize your needs. Choosing smart influences us to be the best version of ourselves. That makes us different than other companies. It makes us confident in achieving our goals. It makes us who we are. And it makes us DFM, the smart. 
Yes, DFM uh, the smart choice. So we back with Sabrina and Jack. Um, we we're not gonna take a lot of time. We're just gonna drive right in with hot topic because there's a lot of hot topic we're gonna talk about with um, Sabrina. So hot topic is a segment where we talk about topic related to your career. Um, fun topic, but um, question people would have have chance to ask you. So this is hot topic with Sabrina and Jack. So, how did you really feel about that lady? (laughs) (laughs) Ah, I'm healing. I think I'm healed. Uh, Now I'm okay, but I did not like her much. Um, It was very traumatic, so I did. I I touched. She was a witch. It wasn't the right approach, but I really saw her as a witch. Um, That's how I really felt, and God has changed me since then. (laughs) <laughs> because let, let's think about it like you excelled in you doing great in school um and she's just like standing in your way mm-hmm. so and let's talk about that now as a christian um we we know that retribution is god doing mm-hmm. is god business how do you know like i always struggle with this right what was a what was your justice? Where you serve? Where's your justice serve? It's like sometimes they do their own thing, and it's all set, and you have to carry the the burden, and you don't know what's happened to them. And that's the thing I have learned over time that has transformed my life because I've had so many of these challenges over time that. Justice is not always in something happening to the other person. Justice is in you being able to forgive and you being able to overcome. Mm. And um, one thing that I've also realized, I had to separate that issue from that person because, I mean, I didn't get to say that this same thing happened to me again in in, um, college when it came to me to graduate um so realizing what's against me for i wrestle not against flesh and blood and i'm like there's a a bigger force at hand that's trying to hold me back and a lot of time we are focused on the person that has moved on but that same spirit in that person is still coming after us in different forms and so for me i like to pick my battles and understand exactly what i'm fighting and now i like to be able to tell people how they've hurt, like how how I feel, how I feel. I own my feelings about the situation. I know the situation is bad. And once I tell somebody, this is what happened and this is how it made me feel, whether I'm upset, angry, frustrated or whatever. Once I do that, I move on. People don't have to say sorry to me. It's not necessary for me. Um, You don't have to say sorry. I let you know that it was disrespectful and I felt disrespected and I own that and I move on. So I'm not empowering people over me. So what happened in college? In college, my guidance counselor, when it came time to graduate, because um, I had reached out to her the year, the semester prior to ask her to add me to a class that I needed to graduate. And she was the one, um, she was my dean um, 
in no, she was the guidance counselor or advisor. And so yeah. when she added me to the class, I found out she added a couple of white people who were not on the list. She added them to the class and she told me to wait next next year, next semester to take the class. Um, and I said, I'm not doing this because I reached out to you like way before that. And I went yeah. to the dean and the dean made her add me to the class and she stood in front of me. She looked me in the eye. She said, if you if you make it out of college, I will eat the first paper you write for my class. <laughs> so did you have to, what did you do to, what did you do? I stayed in the class. Um, I passed my class with a B plus and I knew like the little, these, these, little things had to do with my B plus, which should have been an A, but I'm okay with that. Um, and then eventually I graduated and she reached out to me. Actually, they, the, the whole program of having, um, a, a bachelor's in general science mm. concentration started because of me after I left. He ended up starting that whole program because of me. So like we're in good terms. I still kept the messages she she left me after that. So yeah, I made it. I made it out. <laughs> wow, wow. That's a good story because um there is you not holding that back because I feel like sometimes things happen to us we can't move on. Not everybody have that mental strength to move on. But you, I think some people can learn from your playbook or to deal with that. So now going, knowing, so now technically this is you getting introduced to racism, discrimination. What was your mindset? Because I think that's a culture shock for you too. Culture shock. Yeah. Tough. Yes. I grew up in Haiti. I didn't have to worry about like we were black people are the majority in Haiti. So I never had to worry about like a, a white person, white mentality or any of such things. Um, I didn't like being here. It took me a long time to adjust. As these things were happening, I would go back to Haiti every chance I got. Every time I had, I was on a break, I was on a plane going to Haiti. I did not enjoy being here. I did not want to be here. I didn't feel like I belonged here. And it wasn't like way after I graduated college, I think it was 2012. And I moved here in 2004. It took yeah. me eight years to feel okay with being here and to feel okay with finding my place or creating my own place so I could be okay being in the U.S. And up until now, like with all the racism stuff, there are some things I have to learn when to separate myself from, like when not to watch too much of the news and stuff like that until I'm okay to go back just to kind of um, protect my mental health. So... And some people will say, oh, because, you know, um, racism is very, there's a new way. So I had a guest, she was saying there's a new way of racism now where profiling the way they ask you, oh, where are you from? And you say, oh, I'm from Boston. No, no, no. Where are you really from? You know, so that's type of racism people do. Is there um, a way that I know, I don't know, you're going to tell us, or, or is it for you where, have you ever experienced uh, an imposter syndrome where you feel like 
you don't belong, you're not comfortable in your skin, or you kind of take you some time to get adjusted and then build build up your confidence? Yes. So I acknowledge my imposter syndromes, and um, I I think I kind of make space for myself with that. For example, teaching, um, I used to always be mindful, extremely aware, overly aware or self-conscious of my accent, right? Yeah. Um, and so now when I go places, I know, I know I'm like a US citizen, but I like to say that like I'm Haitian. I don't need you to ask. Like, I don't yeah. need to ask where am I really from. I'm okay with, with where I'm from. Like, to yeah. see the way Haiti is right now, I'm very proud. And I'm, I do not want to lose my culture to, like, to feel accepted or to feel like I'm fitting here. So I, I offer it up. I tell everybody, hey, I am from Haiti. And if you hear an accent, it's because I speak English, I speak French, I speak Haitian Creole, and I speak a little bit of Spanish. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then this is great. This is good because um, this is this was me too because I had that process where I said if, if so somebody from Europe um, they speak French and they they welcome their accent. Yeah. If they're yeah. Spanish, they welcome. The, why not me? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, <laughs> I think a lot of time it's us, to be honest, right? A lot of time it's us because, like, we're trying to appear, like, so perfect. It's just wanting to be, one, like, the desire to be accepted, the desire to seek approval. And I think once I was delivered from that, in, and I realized I was doing this in so many different aspects of my life, just like I go somewhere, because I have a PhD doesn't mean I have to prove anything to anybody. Doesn't mean yeah. I know and so if you want to teach me something by all means I'm all ears teach me what I don't know and I'm completely okay with my lacks and my weaknesses I'm completely okay and I'm happy to learn so so what, what would be the message because I, I know yeah, there some people I don't know if you follow sports um, a lot of athletes they said Boston is one of the most racist place mm -hmm. to play um, or the most racist city. So, mm -hmm. do you have any experience? I know you talk about that experience, but do you have any um, workplace um, racism, and or did you challenge that? Um, I have interestingly, I have experienced workplace racism, <laughs> and this is gonna sound so weird. I experienced workplace racism when I was working at my first job out of high school. And it wasn't just racism, it was also ageism. So I have a lot of things against me. I have ageism and reverse ageism because it's because I'm too young. People feel like I'm too young for certain things or like I threaten their success or whatever. Um, racism in the fact that it's a young black girl that's doing this and she's highly educated. Um, racism in the sense it's like I have had to advocate for my salary. And also, I, I'm gonna call it ethnicism where I am in a bunch of black folks and they are listening to people I to people's ideas. Like I would say something they are going to listen from somebody from a different, like maybe like a white, and that's black. Yeah. Take into account the fact they that don't they don't validate you, you know. 
Right. And, and, or also socialism. I don't know like if there's a better way to put it because the person with the most money in the room, although you are saying the same thing, but they're paying more attention to the person that has the most money. Yeah. So it, I've, I've seen it all. And again, like I said, it's being an advocate for myself. I'm not afraid to say, well, so tell me how this is different from what I said earlier. And mm-hmm. you, but I will, I will make you see that I understood what you did. Um, this is wow. This is very um. So now th- this will lead to a question, mm-hmm. but allow me to kind of bring you there. So I coach private school soccer mm-hmm. and basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, it was at a school, Milton Academy. But I went to Tear Academy to coach because for COVID, when COVID started, they didn't have any sport at Milton. So I did two years at Tear, and then I I wanted to go back to Milton. I was promised to get a good team, like meaning the top team. There's varsity, there's JV, there's two JV. I was promised to get the first JV, which is a better team. And when students started, something changed. They said, no, Eddie, you're going to have the second team. Mm-hmm. All right. So I focus on coaching because I believe in myself and I have my diploma. So uh, I have, um, I went to school and then I got a certificate to be a USD licensed soccer coach. Mm-hmm. And first two weeks I only have six players and I should have like 15 or 20 I only have six players and I've been calling them because you have two weeks for practice and then to to start your first game until our first day like a first game on I had like the the pri- I had six players Mm-hmm. I end up having 11 players. My first game, I play 11 players, no sub. No sub, 11 players. <laughs> we won the game. Mm-hmm. We won the game. So the team we play had like 30 guys. Every five minutes, they've been subbing. You know, high school, you can sub or, or as much as you want. So the story is I've been blacklisted due to this because I was vocal and then I challenged him. I said, no, you told me I was getting the team and I didn't get it. Do you know why now it's kind of hard for me to find another coaching job? Mm. Who's are related? Like they, they, they like a, in a group. And then I'm blacklisted. So the question is, have you ever experienced something like that? Um, I have not experienced it. Let me just say, just acknowledge your experience and just, um, I apologize that you are, you have to experience this and you're going through this and I'm so sorry to hear that. Um, I, I have not had anything where, um, I would say I'm blacklisted. I mean, 
To some degree, yeah. To some degree, to some degree, yeah. Um, I would say just people saying things that you, you can't you can't control what people say, except that certain things. If you are able to, like, the best way to go after it would be to do so in the court of law. But then again, if you don't, you may not have a case if you don't have things in the writing and all these other things make it. So yeah. Complicated. Um. And here's my thing. I learned that sometimes this is not for you. Yeah. Just me. There's a lot of these things when they happen, and I, and I have something similar, maybe not as as complex as yours. Um, and I'm just like, well, I I don't think, as a matter of fact, you're rendering me a service. I don't think I want to look for anybody who shares your perspective to begin. Yeah. Um. So for me, I would look at this as just like a, a way of God telling me I don't need you in in this circle or in this environment. Mm, you, you're right. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just, and we. So the thing is, we, my son, my my son's going to kindergarten, and we apply. The guy who's responsible for financial aid is that guy. Do you know we didn't get in? Yeah. I have, I have a parent who invited me to an event. The guy waited until the event was sold out, and then sent me the email. Like I say, what's going on? So okay, I'm not in the school, but you're still blocking me because you feel empowered. Mm-hmm. That's why I was asking you the question about the justice yeah. part of it. Yeah, and these are the bullies, right? They're like bullies in in all types of systems. I have had pastors who bullied me. I have had bullies, bullies, bullies. I'm going to tell you this little story. Hopefully, it helps you out. Um, you mentioned that earlier. Justice and vengeance is the Lord. There are these things that you and I we can fight. And whenever we feel like we get to a place, it's not like we it's not our battle to fight, or we don't have the tools, we don't have the the um, necessary arms, I would say, to fight these battles, then that's when I take a step back and I bring it back to God. Um, I have known people who got removed, completely removed from places. Like I have had places where people have made a coalition on me. What? Given a couple years, they are out. Even if I'm no longer there, if this is my place God intended for me to be, and then I, I left as a result of that, people building unhealthy, toxic coalition against me. I will go in prayer and bring it back to God. And I say, God, this is a battle that's too much to fight. I'm going to let you fight it. And I promise you, not a single time have I not seen the hand of the Lord at one point or another. And other times, too, I've gone back to God if it's leaders. And I say, God, I can't fight this. And I don't like the way it's turning out. And God will go and speak to them. I can tell you how many people have done things wrong to me. I just go to God and I say, if I did something wrong, show me. Otherwise, if if I didn't do anything wrong, I'm asking you to intervene in this situation. God will be going and waking people up at night and they be texting me or like calling me or whatever to say right after I pray, because God is going to go and deal with them directly. So in this, I would say, learn to pick your battles and the ones that you can fight, allow God to fight them. And no, no, makes sense. And like I said, I think I'm okay with this situation because um, there's bigger things I'm looking for. I was just to show you the extents of the, they being bullied 
and they yeah. racist, they discriminate. Even like you think it's over, you're no longer there. But whenever your name show like pop up, they they kind of activate this. But um, yeah. the funny thing is. I got an email saying, oh, they won't need me to coach this coming season. I was okay mm -hmm. with it. I know that was coming. And yesterday I got an email saying, if I don't have any picture of the team because they didn't schedule a book photo. <laughs> But the lady who reached out to me, she probably didn't know. They sent me an email saying they don't no longer need my services. And the players to ask for the pictures i said um i'm just gonna sit down and relax on this yeah <laughs> because that's not my job to do it because they were supposed to schedule and this is the, the dysfunctional of this of that organization yeah. jump off like nobody i have pictures i'm not gonna lie i took some pictures but i'm not just gonna give it to you because you asked for it mm-hmm Yeah, I mean, have them go to the right channels. Help, like some of these things, you let them figure it out. And if you feel so inclined, inclined in your heart and the Lord is to tell you to give it, then you give it. Otherwise, um, if you don't want to just don't want to be involved, then. No, no, makes sense. And, and Sabrina, this is great so far. And I know how topic was supposed to be mostly about the guests, but I feel like I relate to your story in terms of the way they, you were discriminated. Um, mm -hmm. Let's close our topic now. This is Sabrina Jacques. Um, this is Eddie Dasis with Divine Purpose Podcast. <laughs> So, favorite food to eat? Favorite food to eat? Diri blanc legume. Favorite food to cook? Ah, I make so much. And maybe scalloped potatoes, the Haitian way. Yeah. I'm so good at cooking. This is a tough one to to ask me because I. <laughs> so let me ask you now: if if you send in a few friends like that, they are not Haitian to mm -hmm. Haiti, what would you tell them to experience in Haiti? Uh, you gotta eat some grill and banana because that's like that's different. The food tastes different up here. It's a different flavor profile. You definitely gotta get you some grill and banana and some pate chaude, pate cordy, right? <laughs> heavenly, heavenly, and the rice too. The rice tastes different. Yeah. Eat some chicken in Haiti. It's good. It will hit hit the spot. Yeah. Favorite food. Fruit, mango, Francique. I'm very sorry. Mango, Oh, yeah. No, that's that's a good one. That's a good one. So, um, I don't know. When you do you go to the beach? When you go in Haiti, what's what's your favorite? Where exactly are you from? Yes, I am from Peterville. Um, okay. I'm from Peterville and Yes, I do go to the beach when I go because I gotta get myself some lambi, right? Yeah, lambi. <laughs> um, lambi, like it, it's just my thing. And just a day at the beach in Haiti, it's just so rejuvenating. So, um, yeah, 
and definitely like getting free thai or fried fish while you're at the beach. Wow. That, that that's that's a good one. That's a good one. So we we got to the end of this great uh, interview, great podcast with Sabrina Jacques. Uh, last word for you. Um, thank you for for allowing me to be here and for the work that you're doing. I just encourage you in that. Um, I had a wonderful time. And if I have a word of advice for everybody here, know yourself, know who God called you to be and un- unapologetically be yourself. All right, that was well said. Well said with Sabrina, uh, Sabrina Jacques. Uh, we definitely had a good time, and you learn more about her passion, her education, and what's keep her going in terms of her family and um, her, her, her faith, technically. So, this is Eddie Dasus with Divine Purpose Podcast. We have Sabrina Jacques with us, and please listen, share, and comment. Leave us a, a comment on www.dppodcast.com or you can get us on all all the major platforms for your podcast. All right. Thank you, Sabrina. Appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Blessings to you.